So that's good. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It's the first Sunday back in church together uh, as, a, as, a, as a church community. This is our first Sunday this year that we've met. So I trust that you were able to have a good Christmas with fam- family and friends, and you're able to hopefully enjoy the new year and have some good time within that week off. So, um, or some of you wouldn't have had a week off, others of you would have been at work. So um, I want to just over the next, I'm going to be speaking over the next three weeks, um, and uh, I just want to just sort of set a bit of a scene and lay a little bit about where we're going in some of the focus for this year, 2023, um, and just to open up just some of the things that we feel God has put on our hearts in terms of some fairly clear focuses for this coming year. And so uh, before I do that, I just want to give us a couple of dates. Um, They're not going to come up on the screen. If you're on our email address, um, you would have got an email this week. Um, But uh, we will be putting more information out about this over the next week or so. But on the 29th of January, we're going to be starting, and we've done this for a few years now, but we always think it's really good to have two or three weeks where we just share our heart, and then out of that, we really pray into it. And so we're going to be uh, having 21 days of prayer and fasting starting on the 29th of January, and we will give out some direction on how that's going to be and what that's going to look like. And as part of those 21 days, the last seven days will be given over to a week of 24-7 prayer. So we, um, you've got the link that I sent out this week. Um, uh, feel free to start putting your name down and signing up for that because we want to cover as many hours as we possibly can in that last week of the 21 days to really seek God and to get before Him. All right, so um, I absolutely believe that nothing happens without prayer. Absolutely nothing happens without prayer. You may remember that a a few years ago, pre-COVID, a number of us went to Wildfires Festival um, in the May, and uh, there was a guy there from Nigeria who spoke, and he focused a lot around prayer, and he really challenged us to pray, really did. And a few of us came back from Wildfires, and uh, we decided that we would come together at quarter to six every Friday morning and pray, and that's what we've done For the last three plus years, we've prayed every Friday morning, and we've not stopped, um, and we're still doing it. Um, And uh, and and even when COVID came, we went online, and a few of us we we zoomed up and we prayed every Friday morning um, at quarter to six through to about quarter to seven, seven o'clock. And of course, now we can meet. We've relaunched that again. And we relaunched it. We had a little break over Christmas, and we relaunched it on Friday. And on Friday morning here at half past six, so not quite as early as quarter to six, at half past six, uh, about, and, and it's growing. We, we have up to 15 people come along every week, but we never get below about 12. And we just meet here at half past six every Friday morning, and we just pray. We just call on God week in, week out. And if you'd like to come and join us, I make sure the heaters are on on a Thursday night. So when we walk in here, it's quite warm and we just sit around in a circle and we pray. We pray for all things Hope Church. We pray what's happened in the week before and we pray for what's happening in the coming week. We pray into specific situations, but we just pray and we pray and we pray. So if you're an early riser 
and you think, do you know what? I could get up on a Friday morning and I could come here at half past six and call on God. Why don't you come and join us? That hour goes just like that. It's absolutely brilliant. So we want to keep praying. And so we're going to be setting a season of prayer over the next uh, few weeks, starting on the 29th of January. And then um, uh, last September, um, I, had a, I took a couple of days away uh, to pray. Um, and because usually around about sort of beginning of September, we begin to think about the new calendar year. And so I, I took a couple of days away. And then in September, later in September, we had a leadership day away together just to talk through and plan about this year, 2023. And so a focus for us this year is what's up on your screens now for 2023. We want to have a focus on grow, engage, and multiply. On grow, engage, and multiply. I really feel challenged. Um, you know, it's so good as a church that we look out all of the time. This church is good at looking out. All right, we're very connected into our community. We do a lot of work and we serve a lot of people within our community. And we don't want to stop that. We want to keep reaching out and we want to keep being Jesus to our community. And of course, part of that is to multiply, to see other people come in to find Jesus so that we grow. Not for numbers sake, but we want to see people find Jesus, don't we? That's, you know, that's my heart. Every single year when I, I stand up in front of the church, my heart is, let's seek to bring people to Jesus. Because when Jesus changes our lives and when Jesus touches our lives, everything changes. doesn't mean it's always easy, but everything changes because Jesus changes lives. And so we want to multiply. You know, I want to lead some more people to Jesus this year. I want to share my faith with more people. Uh, I want to share my faith with more people this year. We really felt that we really wanted to have a focus on a bit of a discipleship culture this year and a sense of spiritual transformation. In other words, how can we as individuals grow stronger in our faith? How can we create a greater sense of discipleship as followers of Jesus? Because it doesn't matter where we're at, whether we've been a Christian 50, 60 years today or longer, or whether we've only been a Christian a very short time, Jesus wants us to grow in our faith. He wants us to follow him more closely. He wants us to know him better. He wants to reveal his, his nature and his self to us in a greater way. And so we want to really encourage a greater sense of a discipleship within us and a real sense of spiritual transformation. And so I have a book here. I think I advertised it when I sent my email out this week. But um, on February the 1st, we're, we're going to launch a little book in the church, and this is absolutely brilliant. I had a read of it over Christmas. I, I, I like reading, um, and I took this book, I bought this book about a couple of weeks before Christmas, and I read it over Christmas. It's a guy called Chris Rogers. Um, he's written a book uh, called Apprentice to Jesus, and it's a 40-day devotional based on 20 questions. And so um, we're looking to source a whole load of those books so I would encourage you, if you want to join, we want to try and get as many people to do this, and you can do it in connect groups, you can do it if you're in a, like a little huddle, or you can do it on your own, it doesn't matter how you do it, or you can find somebody in the church and say, let's read this book together. 
And so we're going to be unpacking that a little bit more on the 22nd of January. Um, and then on the 1st of February, we're going to encourage people, as many people as they want to, to read this book. Now, if you can't afford to buy this book, there are people sitting around you that can afford to buy more than one copy. Okay, so if you are, are if God's blessed you financially and you, you can afford to buy yourself a book, but you could afford to buy somebody else a book. So when you go onto Amazon this week and you order it, order two. And if you can afford it, order three, all right? And then keep one for yourself and bring two in or one in and we can give them away. Is that all right? It's called, makes sense, doesn't it, okay? So I've only bought one so far, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy another two or three, okay? Because I want, I want to bless people with, with this book, okay? So that's what we're going to be doing starting... <clears throat> God, I've got a frog in my throat. Starting on February the 1st. So before I, before I talk... Do you know, I've got something on my shoe. Some, and it keeps... It's annoying me. You know when you stand on something, like a drawing pin, anyway. It's gone now, so we're okay. <clears throat> um, you, know, you, know when, um, you know when you read the Bible... And um, somebody just went, nah, <laughs> I, I won't say who. Um, but you know, you know when you read the Bible and as part of your daily reading, there's sometimes a verse stands up, stands, stands out to you. And, and when I was like preparing this grow, engage, multiply and, and kind of thinking that through and what that might look like for us as a church, at the time, my daily Bible readings were in Isaiah. It was kind of about last October time. I was, I was just reading my daily, everyday reading. I was reading the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah is a brilliant book. In fact, of all the prophetic books in the Bible, this is the one that's quoted most in the Gospels more than any other book. And the book of Isaiah, and I have said this before, um, is kind of split into two. The first 39 chapters are all about you know, the difficult, disobedient times of God's people. And when you get to chapter 40, right through to the end of Isaiah, there's like so many promises and so many amazing phrases in that section of Isaiah that are quoted later on in the Bible. And when I was reading, reading Isaiah, I came to Isaiah chapter 62. And verse, uh, it's going to come up on the screen now, verse 3 says this. If, in fact, if you get a moment this week, why don't you read Isaiah 62, verses 1 to 5? Because there's some brilliant words about restoration and about what God was going to do with the group of people that were just coming out of exile. And he says this in Isaiah 62 and verse 3. It says this, You will be a crown of splendor in the hand of the Lord, or in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It says this, you will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. What I'd like us to do, and we don't do this very often either, I'd like us to read this verse out loud. Isaiah 62 verse 3. So go. So follow me um, and, and say this to yourself. Let's go. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. A little bit later this year, King Charles III will be crowned King of England. And on that occasion, he will wear the Edward crown. 
He will wear the Edward crown. And every monarch over the last 100 years that's been crowned king or queen of this country, for a moment as they are crowned king or queen, they wear the Edward crown. King George the Fifth wore it, King George VI wore it, Queen Elizabeth II wore it, and later in the year, King Charles III will, be, will have placed on his head at his coronation the Edward crown. It will be the only time that he wears it. He will never wear it again. It will be, a, it will be for that special moment and that special occasion. And of course, throughout history... And the Bible is no exception to this, that when a queen or a king wore a crown, it spoke of splendor and majesty and authority and rule and honor. And if you were to read Psalm 145, David writes this, this, he sings or writes this song in Psalm 145 and he talks about God being the king. And he talks about God reigning in splendor and in majesty. And in later in that psalm, it talks about some of the things that God can and will do because of his authority. But Isaiah says to this remnant of people in Isaiah 62, he says, you will be a crown of splendor. In the hand of the Lord. You will be a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Now, of course, ironically, Jesus also wore a crown. And he wore a crown of thorns. Which was a mockery to his splendor and to his majesty. And his kingdom and his authority and his honor. But before I get into just spending a few moments talking about growing, because that's going to be our focus this morning, I want to really encourage all of us in Hope Church today. I want to start this year off by not just speaking to us as a church community as a whole, but to you as an individual, that you are beautiful to God. Every man in this room today and every woman in this room today, you are beautiful. You are a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. You are a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You are not just ordinary, you are captivating. How about that for a first New Year's message? You're not just ordinary. You are captivating. You are God's splendor. You are God's joy. You are precious in the hand of the Lord. We are God's special occasion every day, not just one day. He doesn't just wear you as an adornment. He holds you 
We are not just symbols of his authority and splendor. We are an extension of his authority and splendor. And God speaks prophetically over the company of people that are coming out of exile. And he speaks over them. You are a crown of splendor in the hand of the Lord. You are a royal diadem in the hand of your God. If you were to read the five verses in the first, in the first five verses of Isaiah 62, you would then read those beautiful words, we are not forsaken. We are not abandoned. We are not deserted. If you carry on, you read those kinds of words of God speaking over that nation. He said, you are no longer called forsaken. You're no longer called deserted, but you are Hepzibah. You are married to the Lord. Please remember that today, that all of us are the splendor of the Lord. We are a royal diadem in the hand of God. Now, of course, if you were to look at a royal diadem, and I cut and paste one from Google, a diadem is made up of many gems. So here's a little play on the word, you see. Gem, grow, engage, multiply. Multiply. How cool is that? So as we go throughout this year, not only do I want you to remember that you are a royal diadem in the hand of the Lord, a diadem is made up of many precious stones, many gems. And so we're going to use that little phrase throughout the year to grow, engage, and to multiply. This is for every single one of us. Don't listen to a lie that suggests that spiritual growth and reaching your God-given potential is for the person sitting next to you today and not you. Because it's for all of us. And I love those verses in 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. It says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We've said this from the front before, but I want to say it again. God needs you. God desires you. God wants you as an individual to grow, to become more Christ-like, and to do the things that God has called you to do. So let's focus a little bit on grow. And my one and only last slide is going is to come up right now. Oh, no, it's not. I've got two more. Sorry. Okay. Um, how many of you here today, um, before Christmas, went to David and Rona Reader's Elf Village? Oh, quite a lot of us. I thought you did. So I went, okay, because I've got a granddaughter. And on a Wednesday, we have our little granddaughter, and we took Evie to the Elf Village to see all the elves in the village. And we got there, and Rona said this. She said, oh my goodness. Hasn't she grown? Because the last time I think Rona saw my granddaughter was when she was about 
four months old. Well, she's over two now, so of course she's grown. And I'm glad she has. Sometimes I think she's growing up too quickly. But growth is not only good, it's essential. When a child doesn't grow or doesn't develop properly, it usually rings some kind of alarm bells and parents have every right to become worried because growth is really, really important. And in Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes this to the church there. He says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit. In every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God. There is a very, very definite connection between bearing fruit and growing. And now we are going to have my last slide. Here we go. I'm not the most experienced gardener in the world, but I have got quite a lot of experience at growing tomatoes. And the reason I have is because I've grown tomatoes every year, probably for the last 20 plus years. Every Because I love tomatoes. And if you've never grown tomatoes, you don't know what you're missing. Because they're a lot better than the ones you buy in the supermarket. A bit like new potatoes. All right, You can buy new potatoes in Tesco's, you grow them and you'll know the difference. And my wife, Michelle, works as a nurse in one of the local doctor surgeries here in Dis. And one of the doctors is Greek, Dr. Pantazi. And every year, she kind of butters him up a little bit for a big pay rise. No, I'm kidding, okay. She takes in from our greenhouse some gardener's delight cherry tomatoes. And do you know what? Every single year, this is what he says to her. It reminds me being back home in Greece. He said, they are the best tomatoes I've ever tasted. And he eats them like sweets. She just puts a little bowl on his desk. And in between patients, he just eats cherry tomatoes because they are stunning. But how we produce fruit is determined by our growth. I am always amazed on the left-hand side how small tomato seeds are. If you've ever grown tomatoes, they are the tiniest of seeds. And I'm always staggered at what one little tomato seed produces. Produces a plant that can stand, you know, anything up to five, six feet tall. And if you get it right, it just gets laden with tomatoes that you go in and you just pick. I remember one year, I think I had too many tomato plants. We was like picking five or six pounds of tomatoes every day. It was ridiculous. And I'd go down and I'd take a little wicker basket and I'd go and pick another great big basket full of tomatoes. But they all came from that one little seed. You see, how we produce fruit is determined by how we grow. Now, 
I have also had some problems growing tomatoes. They can be temperamental so-and-so sometimes, okay, because they often can get disease. They can split on the vine. You go into your greenhouse, you pick a tomato, and it's all split down the middle. Or sometimes the leaves get all diseased, and they all curl up, and they go a horrible color, and they get diseased in that way, and they, they affect the fruit of the vine. Or the one that really annoys me, gets right under my skin, is that all your tomatoes are really starting to grow really well, and they're starting to redden up, and then they go moldy at the bottom. Have anybody else ever experienced that? You get this moldy bit at the bottom. That's called, that's called blossom end rot, if you didn't know, okay? Just so you know that, okay? And I've discovered a few tricks of the trade when it comes to growing tomatoes that I think are really relevant to us growing as disciples of Jesus. And I want to quickly mention three things, all right? Number one, you need to position your tomato plants in the right place. It's all about positioning. Tomato plants need at least six to eight hours of sunshine every day. So it's silly if you plant your tomato plant in your garden shed. It's not going to get enough sunshine. Also, Make sure you position your tomatoes away from your potatoes because potatoes can give your tomato plants a disease. And here's one that some of you might not know and I'm happy to give you my advice even more after the meeting. If you want to keep certain diseases away from your tomatoes, plant a few French marigolds around the base of your tomato plants because they will keep certain diseases away from tomatoes. Now, how many of you didn't know that one? Okay, that's got to be worth a fiver, I reckon. <laughs> There's something about positioning that's really, really important. If you watch Match of the Day on a Saturday night and you look at the, the analysis of the pundits, one of the things that they often talk about when a team has been, beating is, been beaten is that their defense is all out of position. And I want to I encourage us today, if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus this year, do you need to change position? Are you in the right position? Have you got out of position as a Christian? Do you need to change position in the way that you think? Have your attitudes shaped your position today? Maybe in a negative way. But just like tomato plants, you need to put them in the right position. I think if we're going to grow as Christians, it's all about positioning. Position yourself this year. Put yourself in the right place. Make sure that if you feel out of position in your walk with God today, make sure that you reposition yourself at the beginning of the year. Maybe you've got relationships with people and you literally need to position yourself with the right people. Maybe you've surrounded yourself with negative comments. Maybe you've surrounded yourself 
with things that are not helpful to your growth as a disciple of Jesus. And yes, this is pretty simple stuff, but make a decision this year to get yourself in the right position. A tomato plant will not thrive in the dark. It has to be in the light. A tomato plant will not thrive if you plant it next to certain other vegetation because it's more likely to catch disease. Where is your position right now? Have you positioned yourself in such a way that will enable you to grow most effectively as a follower and as a disciple of Jesus this year? Position yourself well. Make sure you get yourself in the right place. If you've given up on regularly meeting with other Christians, then reposition yourself and make sure you connect regularly with other believers this year. If you've positioned yourself in a conversation that is not doing you any good, or you've positioned yourself down a certain track or a thought process that is not helpful to your ongoing growth as a disciple of Jesus, position yourself in a different place this year. Make sure you put yourself in the right place to give yourself the best possible chance to grow effectively as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is so important. Position yourself. And so some of the things that we're going to do this year, and this little book will help, and we're going to be doing some other things. We're going to be following a series of teaching off and on throughout this year, not the whole year, calling Practice the Way, and it's going to encourage us to look at certain disciplines that will help us grow effectively as Christians. Because the word disciple actually comes from the Greek word that literally means apprentice. I love that, don't you? Because we're always learning. I actually was an apprentice when I left school. I became an apprentice in a certain building trade. We want to grow, don't we? We want to develop that greater sense of maturity as Christians. So position yourself. The, th the second one, really quickly, is this. Consistency. Consistency. One of the signs of spiritual growth is consistency. One of the problems that a lot of gardeners have with their tomatoes is they'll water them on a Monday and soak them and then they'll forget to water them on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then they'll go and soak them again on a Thursday. And that doesn't do tomato plants any good. You have to consistently water them every day. And one of the reasons that my tomatoes have failed at certain times is because I haven't watered them every day, and then I just like pour buckets of water on them twice a week. It's not good. There needs to be a consistency if we're going to get the right amount of growth. And I want to say to us that not only do we need to position ourselves, there needs to be a consistency about our growth and our discipleship and our apprenticeship to Jesus. The truth is that consistency can be quite mundane sometimes. To water your soul every day. To consistently do the things every day that will help us grow. Jesus says in John 15 verse 4, he says this, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless 
you abide in me. That word abide in the Greek comes from a word meno, and it literally means to remain or stay put. William Barclay, a commentator on this particular verse, says this beautiful words. He says this, the one who abides represents a person who is permanently and continuously abiding in the Lord. The Lord then states a fact. This person who is continuously abiding in the Lord is producing much fruit. Andrew Murray, who's another commentator, in one of his devotions says this, the essential idea of fruit is that it is the silent, natural, restful produce of our inner life. There's something about day in, day out consistency if we want to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And do you know what? Sometimes that can be a little boring. That can be hard work. I remember Brian tells this story of when teams used to go out to Ibiza and they'd be praying again in the middle of the night. And then the next night, they'd be praying again in the middle of the night. And they'd pray for hours after hour for the people of Ibiza and for those that were on the streets. And he tells this story, and he's, he's told it from the front here before. Of I think one person in one of the teams kind of almost kind of made a negative comment about, you know, what, again? And I think Brian said to them, welcome to my world. This is about consistent prayer. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. I want to encourage us this year, not only position yourself in the right place, but let's get consistent. Let's keep coming back again and again and again and doing the things that will help us grow and become a more effective disciple. Do you know, I need you to encourage me to do that. I need people around me to say to me, how are you doing in the consistency of your faith? How are you doing in the consistency of your disciplines? Do I water my soul every day? Do I feed from the word of God every day? Am I consistent in the day in, day out? of the watering of my life through God's word, through fellowship, through prayer, through encouragement, through all the dynamics that will help me become an effective disciple of Jesus. And the last one is feeding. Who loves to feed themselves? Oh, done a lot of that probably the last week or so, haven't we? I have a little red bottle in my... In my Shed. It's got the word Tomorite on the front. And it's full of amazing nutrients. Twice a week in the summer, I put a couple of capfuls in a watering can and I feed my tomatoes. I feed my tomatoes. What you put into yourself will have an effect on what comes out. What you feed yourself with will affect your growth. What goes in at some point will come out, just like food. We won't 
become any more descriptive than that. But what you put into yourself will come out. If you feed yourself with bitterness, at some point you will manifest bitterness. If you feed yourself pornography, at some point you will manifest sexual immorality. It's so important that not only do we position ourselves and we become consistent within it, we learn to feed ourselves with the right spiritual nutrients that will help us grow as Christians. What you read will shape your thinking. What you watch or fill your mind with will affect how you live. Just practically, I used to watch the 10 o'clock news every night. And I'd fill my mind with the BBC headlines of the 10 o'clock news every night. And then I'd go to bed. And the last thing that I'd fed my mind with was all the awful stories of the news that were happening around the world. Now, I'm not saying we should bury our head in the sands and never watch the news. It's just that it's no good for me anymore to watch the news at 10 o'clock. Because I'm feeding my mind with the wrong stuff before I go to sleep. So I don't do it anymore. I refuse to do it. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you know that just in the natural, it's the same in the spiritual? You can develop an appetite. In other words, you can get a taste for something. How many of you have heard that little phrase? Cool, as soon as they got a taste of that, there was no stopping them. What are you going to get a taste of this year? Are you going to taste and see that the Lord is good? Are you going to feed your soul with the good things of God? Are you going to feed your soul with good, solid relationships? Are you going to feed your soul in the presence of the Lord and grow and grow and grow as an effective disciple of Jesus? David says this in Psalm 119. I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I've just got one little thing to challenge us with at the end of my talk this morning, and that's this. Why don't you start to memorize Bible verses this year? It is amazing what that will do to your walk with Jesus. Learn the Bible off by heart. Now, for those of us that have grown up in Sunday school, and we've had that tradition, we know what memory verses are like. I used to have to learn a memory verse every week. I'm not perfect at this, but do you know what I've discovered in my prayer life? I constantly quote the word of God when I'm praying. Bible verses just roll off my tongue. Because over the years of my life, I have fed myself the word of God 
so that when I pray, God's word just comes out. Just comes out. Because what goes in comes out. So maybe we can learn a few little analogies of growing tomatoes. Let's position ourselves. Let's be consistent. And let's feed ourselves so that we can grow most effectively as a disciple of Jesus this year. And we'll do all we can to help us do that. Amen.